Hey guys, and welcome to Personality Bingo with me, your host, Tom Moran. So this week on the podcast, we have the unbelievable Brian Gilligan. Brian is an actor, he's a singer, he's a songwriter, he's uh, one of the nicest guys in the industry. I'm so lucky uh, to have met him years ago at Fiddle and Roof as we talk about it in the podcast. He was so kind to me then and um, we wouldn't even see each other all that often but he's always someone who's just been really generous with his time and advice and praise and just generally a, a really special guy. So I was so delighted to get him on um, for this episode. It's actually timed out really nicely because... He's gone viral recently after just one of the most beautiful uh, performances of uh, I'll Never Love Again from A Star Is Born. You can see that on YouTube. It was on Britain's Got Talent. You know, we're talking standing ovations. Like, it's a real tearjerker of a performance. Like, he is such a beautiful, soulful singer. And then, as we talk about on the podcast, like, I mean, I'm kind of was blown away by his honesty and just uh, how gorgeous and vulnerable it was to hear someone talk about something that's so difficult and so raw. And um, yeah, I think it'll be really healing for anyone um, who's going through something similar. So I mean, if you're in um, that place, I hope this episode can do something for you or something that you know, because even just to hear it, and thank God I haven't gone through anything like what Brian's gone through in the last year, but um, what an amazing outlook and just what an amazing dude. Um, and yeah, uh, an amazing singer. And um, as I think you hear over the course of this episode, I'm sure he is the most amazing dad. And I promise to stop saying the word amazing but uh, when it comes to Brian that is difficult uh, in other news I am uh, well, yeah, maybe just a little bit about what Brian's done because uh, I think that's a glowing enough reflection of him as a do but like just his CV is kind of amazing Dr. Faustus on the West End with uh, Game of Thrones Kit Harrington uh, obviously the commitments um, where he was you know started as you know a drummer in the ensemble playing the music all that he eventually you know was leading the show after Killian Donnelly left he was playing Deco um, for anyone who doesn't know the commitments that is like one of the biggest things you'll ever see and um, my god it just suited his vocals down to the ground such a special uh, performer doing that and um, yeah I mean uh, as well as that playing uh, the lead in Once the musical and just smashing that as well he's been uh, in the Abbey with uh, Jimmy's Hall at uh, the Gate with Assassins uh, he just finished up a run in Romeo and Juliet uh, as Tybalt um, he's, a, he's a really versatile uh, performer and uh, you can see him in Dublin City Centre as uh, we talk about um, on this episode uh, um, so go and check out uh, Brian Gilligan Music on Facebook for all the dates for that uh, it sounds like it's going to be uh, a bit of joycean madness uh, which always is good uh, as you're listening to this i will be trekking through the jungle in vietnam somewhere hopefully not dead um so yeah i've uh, pre-recorded some episodes so we keep them going uh, for you guys as always um and uh, once I'm back, I'm straight into Copperface Jack's The Musical at the Olympia Theatre. It's by Paul Howard of Russell Carroll Kelly fame. It's directed by the brilliant Carol Harper. It's an amazing cast, led by Johnny Ward, Rosanna Purcell, Michelle McGrath, and just a um, great, great bunch of actors and creators behind this one. It's laugh out loud funny. If theatre isn't your thing, you're going to love this, I promise. If theatre is your thing, I think you'll love it too. It's really, um, It's really just a bit of madness it's very silly and funny and um, it's got a bit of heart to it too I'm so excited to get back into the Olympia Theatre for that um, so yeah as I said I'll be in Vietnam if you uh, have it in you go and check out our Patreon page that's patreon.com forward slash personality bingo anything you can chip uh, towards 
uh, the show just goes a long way uh, even if it is only a couple of euro I can't overstate how much that means we've got some amazing uh, patrons who are so kind and who love the podcast and who can give back a little if you're in a position to do that please do if you're not I totally understand maybe what you could do is uh, screenshot the episode share it on your Instagram story just let people know you're listening remind them that we're knocking about um, tweet about us Facebook it tell a friend whatever you need to do especially when there's amazing conversations like this I just want to get them out there to the people who uh, might need them so without further ado please enjoy the brilliant Brian Gilligan playing personality bingo with Tom Moran Brian Gilligan, ready to play Personality Bingo? I am indeed, Tom Moran, yeah. All right, sweet. So uh, I'll give you a, a quick explanation of how it all works. I've got uh, 60 minutes on the clock, 60 balls in here, and 60 corresponding questions. And I've also given you a sheet of paper with five numbers on it. Would you do me a favour and read out the five? I will. Number 11. Yep. 44. Okay. 24. Right. 47. Lovely. And 56. 56. Excellent. Would you do me another favour? Pick a sixth number, something between 1 and 60 that's not already there. Okay, cool. Uh, let's go... Uh, Yep. What are you going to go for? I'm going to go for number 35. 35. Any reason? Uh, no, no. It's just kind of relatively middle of the road. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like go. it. I like it. And I should say that if all six of them numbers do come out, that means the tables are turned and you get to ask me any question in the whole wide world. And I'll give you a totally honest answer. <laughs> yes. I don't like how you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's not as maniacal as it yeah. looks. <laughs> um, right. Let's give it a spin. Okay. okay. First out the gate, it's number 14. Do you have it? Uh, I do not. No worries. Number 14. The question is, do you consider yourself a creature of habit? Oh, yes, I do. Anytime, anytime I pick up on habits or specific things that become so embedded into my routine, whether it's daily or weekly or monthly mm. or like one, like the, the I, I suppose the whole creature of habit idea can definitely be related to me and my relationship with coffee. I am like three, four cups in the space of six hours kind of bloke. Right. I have... A really, really kind of like, you know, particular percolator cafeteria at home that I use. I always go to a Voca and buy like Strength Fi. There's a really, really good coffee called Grumpy Mule. Oh my God, you have to try it. It's mm. wonderful. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, I am like, so So that's an example. I'm definitely a creature of habit. And I, th- and, and, and I think everybody is. I mean, regardless of whether it's like a good thing or a bad thing, it's always about comforters and how people can kind of get by. And, you know, it's, it's just something very... Something very unique to us all, so there you go. Yeah, and is that, is that what it is for you? Is it like a thing of like getting by in the sense that like, I know no matter what happens in my day, like I'm going to have my like four cups of coffee in six <laughs> hours. And is it like that kind of clutch it, of like normalism no matter what's going it, on? It, well, well, I mean, it depends. Like like you you know yourself being in the acting industry and being in an industry where it's quite unpredictable and it's very up and down mm. and your day can change. You can be doing so much stuff in 24 hours and then one day there can be nothing. And you you kind of... I, th- I think an awful lot of the habits are a, a little bit difficult to maintain or keep consistent sometimes. Like, y- you know, like we're, we're always under pressure to like to go to the gym and to eat well. And we kind of treat ourselves like athletes when we're singers and actors because we've got so much that we're trying to look after and protect mm. so that we can go out and do what we do to the best of our ability. 
but it is hard. Be- and and there's so much changing when you're living in a very progressive world where someone turns around and says, oh, coffee's really good for you. But then the next day it's really bad for you. Sure. And they're constantly finding these reasons that, that are just like so on opposite ends of the spectrum or either ends of the fence. And you're sitting there and you're going... I'll, I'll just do what makes me happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I suppose, and, and I suppose the other good thing as well is that, like, it's really, really good to find habits that are going to, like, I'm, I, I recently, um, I recently uh, started back uh, with some vocal lessons with a, a person who's kind of similar, a similar age group to me and does an awful lot of similar stuff. And in so far as like material and song style, but but it was just a, d- a different way of getting me thinking. And I went to it so that I could change those habits. But one big thing was mindfulness and centering yourself and how you're happy in here, in your head. And, you know, it's one of those things that when you go out and do what you do, like you find you're get you're 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 doing it a hundred times better. You know what I mean? Mm. So. So yeah, it's just trying to embed the embed the good stuff in and embed the stuff that's actually going to make you make you feel really really good about what you're doing and about yourself. If that makes any sense. So, so is that really interesting? So obviously, like you know, we talked about it off mic there. Is it like so, you, so you've done like a, a good deal of training in terms of like the the Royal Irish Academy of Music and all that, yeah. and so like you know a strong like background you think from that in like technique and all this sort of stuff. But this focus now is more on like kind of a more nearly internal thing and less physical so what does that actually look like what was that adjustment for you and, and like on a practical level what was he encouraging you to do to change that inner state I think I, I, I think it's just what's, ha- what's happened over the last year like my family had a massive loss and I think one of the biggest things that like that that, that I had to address was the the whole concept of looking after yourself mentally and your mindfulness and your you know your your mental health i know that an awful lot of people don't like that kind of phrase because it's it's coined a lot and it's used a lot and it's almost like it's become a bit of a, like a a bandwagoning term you know mm-hmm. oh your 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 mental health is key and it's you know it's it's almost become sloganized but it's like when you get to the roots of that and when you actually think about what go- goes into trying to get yourself right and centered and I suppose happy which you can't be all of the time it's just virtually impossible it's one of those things that if people are oh you know more positive vibes it's like yeah okay but you need a mix of stuff you know you're not a you're not a machine you're Mm. not a you're not the kind of person that's just going to be able to you know uh, radiate one specific feeling all of the time so I I think the mindfulness was for me was just really really important because you know in the space of a year lost my brother had a baby um you know some things were blossoming some things were were kind of you know had me in the pits there was one point a few months ago and I and I opened up about it on Britain's Got Talent just because it was one of those things should I shouldn't I and I wasn't 100% sure if it was too personal but when I did I was actually saying to myself no this is important I'd rather go out there and do what I'm doing and be honest about it so that I know one of the reasons that I'm here and one of the reasons why it's important for any artist to actually be aware of themselves and how they how they do their thing we go about our our days and our weeks like like we are just relentlessly trying to get to castings and finish our 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 material that we want to write and go and network and go and perform and go and gig and all these things and you you do actually put your self love so far behind in the list of priorities that eventually when it catches up you know you you hit a wall mm-hmm. and you're miserable miserable in the, as a result of it. This year for me was such a massive eye-opener because so much had happened that I was like, oh, I really need to, need to um, take a break and take a bit of a step back, you know? Mm. And that gave me that kind of reinvigorated, oh, I just want to get back out there and do it again, you know what I mean? 
yeah, and so when you say you know you opened up about that on mm. Britain's Got Talent, like so, so what were you you actually saying to so like on stage in front of you know the however many thousand people are there and in front of the judges, like what what did you say to them? So like w- w- when I walked out, um, the, they were just saying you know like w- why are you here and I uh, like like pri- prior to that question being popped, it was it was kind of cool actually because David Williams had recognised me from the commitments, yeah, and it was such an, an an incredible time in my life and I loved it and it was a great three years that 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 kind of that that was a setup but it was also an exposure to a world that I you know you 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 just dream of being on on a West End stage at one point or another in your, in, in your career. And mm. it was fantastic. And I'm so bloody grateful for it. But when when Simon Cowell turned around and said, so why are you here? I just said, I've, I've had a really, really bad year. I lost my brother. And it's kind of put me in the pits to the point where I wanted to quit. Um, when I moved back around the time he died, you know, it was a case of not really establishing or registering what, is, what had happened. And I think an awful lot of people with loss, um, they kind of go about their 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 business still not really registering what's actually happened and it's something that they just completely forget that you know they really need to be able to identify with this like it's a, mm. it's a presence it's someone that you love dearly and they're not around anymore mm. and you know about three four months went by i was working i was out trying to pay the rent looking after my wife we were expecting our, our, our first baby and so much stuff was happening on, on the personal front of my family and um and then eventually when it really hit me that he wasn't around anymore, I was like, I don't really know if I want to do this. I don't know if I, I'm I'm so, I'm genuinely so, you know, pissed off. I'm, I'm down in the dumps. It was just like that that feeling of just to wanted the, the, the hurt beneath me to just open up and swallow me in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's, it's like, excuse my language, but it's an emotional head fuck. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's tough. So, when I kind of spoke about that on Britain's Got Talent, I was, you always get doubtful. You don't know how these things are going to be picked up. But I was like, you know what? Whatever. Th- like, there's no expectations. I don't really, I don't really care how anybody picks up on this. Mm. It's all right. Just say it. And I did. And as it's happened, it's been, it's been nothing but good. And it, and and it's like the amount of people that have said like such positive things and support have have been like it's 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 great it's really really cool so mm. wherever it continues to and and how far it goes i'm 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 just bloody delighted to be a part of it it's a really good job right yeah no 100% so like i, I and i, I can't, like i here's me trying to empathize and put myself in your shoes if you know what all of that must be like that year i mean that's a year from in one way like the most amazing year because obviously the birth of your lovely son which has yeah, changed your yeah. life and I mean like I can only imagine yeah. and then obviously losing someone so crucial as well like it's just literally like as as far apart and like spectrum as nearly you could get yeah. in terms of that journey and then also then this n- new journey of then something like Britain's Got Talent and when you're making that decision and you're thinking about how honest am I going to be because let's be real like you could also go down the route of saying yeah I had this like because you know they obviously want to craft a narrative and something like that and like so that thing of like David recognizing you from the show, and it could be like, yeah, you know, I got to live my dream in in this amazing thing and be in the West End stage, play like, you know, and you had such a cool story even within that, you know, playing like one of the supporting leads, an amazing part in the drummer Billy, and then being promoted up to Deco, like the lead singer, yeah, an yeah. amazing story in and of itself. Um, for people who don't know it, it was basically like it's this whole thing of like being heard singing on the corridor and being like, oh, you can sing like a leading man, <laughs> you know. I'm I'm sure that's yeah, a simplification yeah. of what actually happened, but that's in some ways what happened. Like it was a massive promotion and all this. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what I'm trying to say is, did you ever have a fear in your head of when you're like, okay, I want to be honest and I want to, like, speak my truth and I want to say, like, yeah, I'm in bits after my brother's passed away. Did you have that fear that people are like, 
all right, Brian, yeah, but like you're just looking for a sob story, mate. Yeah, yeah, and look, there, there's always going to be people out there that'll try and kind of pull you up on these things and say, oh, you're you're creating the drama for the show. Right. You're you're bringing this to them because it's a story for them to be able to sensationalize everything. And the reality about this show is that like it's it's not really a case of them taking taking your story and turning it into a sob story. An awful lot of the way that they do this is based on them making it about you, how comfortable you are. It's such a massive process that goes into managing every artist in this show, trying to get them to the point where they're performing at their best. And you should see the standards of, of, of talent and like, and an awful lot of the reasons that people are doing this. There's another incredible uh, 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 artist and, and singer um, in Britain's Got Talent. He's, he's I'm, I'm giving him a plug, actually, Mark McMullen, but he's the nicest guy. He's so, so good, and he's got a beautiful voice. And his reason for doing what he's doing, we, we've got quite quite similar stories. Mm. His, um, his, his, his brother was the, was the victim of a, of a really, really horrendous accident, and over the last few years, it's affected his brain, and... Um, it's it's brought on a, a kind of a physical deterioration, mm. and like when when you watch his audition, you know it's just brilliant. It's so good, and you see that the like that guy, Mar like Mark, whatever he's going through and the reasons that he's doing it, like he he ha he's he's so justified in the amount of integrity that he that, that he brings to his performance is absolutely super, and. I like I I just I would just find it really surprising if anybody was ever ever going to turn around and say oh you're just trying to bring a sob story there it's like oh there's something very deeply wrong with people like that they have nothing else better to do. and that's why they get the term trolls because they just because they're renowned for saying stuff that is you know there's no evidence there's no backbone they're just out there to wind people up and to piss them off or to mm. try and kind of push their buttons. And the reality is that it's just words at the end of the day. They're sitting there miserable at home, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. In their socks and their and their vest <laughs> after their sixth can. <laughs> totally, I know. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, like, it, you just, I think you just need to make it a kind of a, a funny thing in your head. And if you just picture it the right way, a lot of this stuff can be picked up in, in a way that would seem hurtful and like and you know we all we all we're, we're all subjects of trying to see if people like like after uh my my judges round audition i went i i, I was it was it was just typical i went up on twitter and i wanted to see some of the trends and some of the things that people said were fantastic but so, some of the other things like the, that were said were hilarious like what did I, you get I, I got compared to the uh the uh, the the you know the the predator uh you know the the head oh yeah so, so there's a, there's a stilled picture of me this like you know I've, I've got my eyes closed and my mouth wide open as I'm singing into the microphone and someone compared me to predator and they put a picture <laughs> it just I just thought it was hilarious and then there was you know there was there was the kind of like the the um the the the, the pro Brexit like people who came on one of them left up a comment and I was just like oh look you know this was bound to happen I'm sure it's the internet it's social media you're going to get such a vast array of people who come on and say these things and they're just out to push your buttons it's in terms of you being from Ireland yeah yeah and 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 look I mean it's it's um it's it's no big deal you know you know like the, the vast majority of people have been incredible the, as I said the way the way everything is managed on the show it's wonderful they they have like um, you know they've got vocal coaches, they've got runners, they've got people like from from the producing end of it that just look after you so well. Mm -hmm. And in the very initial stages, just to get back to the original point, just about the story and about the narrative and trying to create that, a lot of that was done in a process of interview. And they said, look, if you want to talk about this stuff, 
feel free to. But if you don't, that's okay. That's really, really not a big deal. Right. But we just want to put you in a position where if you feel like it's the right thing to do, then do it. And if and if not, we're fully behind you. Mm. You know. So it was, and I, and I just saw it as one of those things. I was like, you know, what have I got to lose? I've already lost my brother. If anything, it's 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 positive representation of what he stood for. And how he used to kind of poke fun at me to do one of these shows mm. and say, "Oh, why don't you go and then X Factor Britain's Got Talent to go?" And then, like he was, and and just a, a joker and a messer and someone who I'd sit and have a few drinks with, and it it would have cropped up in conversation a fair few times. And I used to tell him, like, just shut the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 at the same time, I it kind it 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 was one of those things that just stuck in the back of my head, and I I wanted to go and do it for him as well as me. So here we are, you know. And in terms of your brother, like, what kind of a dude was he? Like, what I, I've oh. never had the privilege to meet him. How, oh man, how could you describe Dave? Like, Dave was a. A punker and mod rocker. He was an 80s kid from his head to his toe. Hmm. He would be the Mika Wallace equivalent. Like he was he was he was a nut job. He right. was just crazy. Um mad for his live gigs, loved a pint of Guinness, uh, a huge fan of the dubs, and was an ob- a Manchester United obsessive uh up until Alex Ferguson left, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then he just lost. Yeah, at, at least he was the wheel. Then he was like, "Oh God, <laughs> yeah, yeah." But um, but yeah, he was he was um, he he was a super character, and obviously he just he had such a big heart. He was so caring. He he worked as a care system for years, and then eventually he went into childcare. And while he was working in childcare, his health had started to get a little bit pear shaped. He had a couple of minor strokes, which led to him. Uh, being confined to like crutches and a walking stick but he built it back up over time Mm. and when it came to the point where a heart attack took him during Storm Emma everything prior to that was just seeming to lean towards him just getting better and better every day and he was much stronger Um, and you know it was it was something that we were kind of saying to ourselves God Dave's doing really well so for this to happen so unexpectedly was literally just a sting it was just like something being dropped on you it's kind of like being stabbed in the back, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it and and you know, God bless my my poor mom. She's been suffering with Alzheimer's for the last two years, and I don't even think it's really registered with her yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, any time it's been brought up or any time it's been spoken about, the the reminder is hard. But just knowing that, like, who, you know, the 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 fact that we have such a wonderful memory of him, I think, is really really trumping any of any of the potential feelings of. God, I miss him, you know, mm-hmm. because uh, because that's how much of an effect he just he, he had on people. He was able to walk into a room and make situations so funny. Mm. And he was like, he was he was horribly inappropriate sometimes. <laughs> okay. Like, But I had to give him credit for it because he was one of those people that was just able to break the ice that way. Right. Yeah. Um. But he was he's the kind of like and, and the kind of like party man that would be the first one standing up on a table in a pub, you know, with his top off, giving it well, he, yeah. you know. He was he was just a character beyond belief, like yeah. And so then, in terms of that, right, that first time, and you're standing on stage in front of the. Because I do want to talk about other stuff, but I it, sure, like sure. It, it is fascinating. Like you're standing on stage, right, in front of all those people. I mean, it's a huge, big theater, like thousands of people. Also, these judges, who's like you know David Williams, like Clary's I mean, like these people who you respect and who have done so much in the industry, and like whatever you think about shows, like Britain's Got Talent. I mean, like. Like, it's just that even that, like, even just the privilege to be able to sing for, like, I mean, as you said, like, we talked about before we came on air, like, nearly a million views on the YouTube clip, like, just under 900,000, I'm sure, by the end of 
the next month you know it'll be a million well, the fact that it's even gotten this amount of views is remarkable I, I crazy it, like, crazy yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. so like even just the privilege of getting that many people to hear your voice and to you know tell a story to that many people which ultimately as an actor and a songwriter and a singer that's what you want to do mm. so when you go out on stage and, and you're standing there and you know you have the chat and then it's that moment between when the track comes on and when you start singing and you know you're singing the song from a star is born it's a massively emotional song as it is what are you thinking about in that moment? Like, is it like that technical thing of like, okay, just try calm down, make sure like my breath is there and that I fucking sing it well? Or are you literally going into that place? Or are you thinking of Laura and Leo and your brother? Like, what's actually going on? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, what, what was actually going on at the time? Like, I just remember, I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> but, but, um, but it was, do you know what it was? It, I mean, down to like lighting or whatever, I just had to try and pitch black the audience and just, you know, an awful lot of people were saying like, God, you had your eyes closed a lot in that video. And it was like, it was literally just to try and distract myself from the fact that there was a thousand four hundred people in in the venue mm. and that, you know, uh, David Wallian, Alicia Dix and Amanda Holden and Simon Cowell were within like two or three metres of me. I was like, I can't actually re- like really get over this. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I suppose it was it, it, it was a feeling of nerves because um, it, it, like th- there'd been a few hours until I'd actually gotten on stage and I was kind of watching everybody else do their thing and I met some of the other artists and they were really cool and we were just like sitting around backstage having a having a sandwich and uh you know uh chatting and walking around and talking and and it was um my audition was at the Lowry in Manchester in Media City mm. and it was nice as well because if you wanted to pop outside there was obviously that that kind of like beautiful Docklands area where you could just and you know go out for a few minutes walk take a bit of a breather and then you could go back in and I obviously had an, an awful lot of time on my hands I suppose when I got to the point where I went on stage it was it was nerves, but there was something that just kind of kicked in gear, and I'm glad that it happened when it did. It it was like ad- 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 adrenaline at the right time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that as singers, you're probably going out and you're thinking technically, how am I going to do this? How am I going to sing that? How am I how am I going to put the feeling into into something that's not necessarily sung by a male singer as such a lot of the time? Um, but it was cool because they gave be, because they they kind of suggested this song and they were saying it's it's a bit of a challenge it's something from a star is born it might be cool for you to get out there and give it a shot and I was happy I did it because actually I I I love that soundtrack it's such a brilliant movie and it was cool that while we were discussing song choices that it became somewhat of a creative decision from from me as well as being suggested and kind of guided in the right direction and mm. um, so that helped the feeling of I know that this song is some way of me relating to the fact that I've that I've lost this guy and that you know I'm never going to be able to get him to get him back so it it just brought a sense of meaning to to the whole to to the whole song and to getting out there and doing it and it was it was just a feeling of nerves excitement but just just actually just just giving it welly and seeing how it went mm. you know and it was good like it, it wasn't it wasn't a case of like right I'm going to go out there I'm going to smash it out of the park because there have been times where like I went out in shows for the commitments just feeling so confident and so good and I'd go yeah this is going to be a great show I'm going to make sure of it but then there were days where I went out and I was just like oh I don't know if I've got, got it in the tank you know so I suppose Britain, Britain's Got Talent was one of those things where it was like it was like a reopening of a lot of those ways of doing things, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was something that I hadn't had for a while. And I was like, oh, look, this is the only fucking chance you're actually going to get to do this, mm. you know? And it may not 
it, it it may not go well, but it may go amazingly, and thankfully the outcome is is what it is. So yeah, yeah, man. yeah, yeah, amazing cocktail of emotion. Yeah, one hundred percent. Right, let's give it a spin. Yeah, go on. Okay, here we go. Next up, it's number thirty-four. Do you have it? I oh, I'm one off. I don't have thirty-four. Oh, no worries. Number thirty-four. Oh, here we go. The question is, do you cry often? Do I cry often? Um, the only <laughs> the so I. When was the last like the last time I properly cried? I think was when Leo was born, mm. um, and then after that, like I'm the, I'm I'm one of these like music therapy sops. I'm like if you put on a song and I really really like that song, I'd be like, oh god, god that's amazing, god that chord progress, god the word like I just I just flood up like I I well up with that uh, with songs. So mm. yeah, I mean often is like. Like over over the last few months, not not really. So like, I don't know. Like it it it, it depends. Like, but yeah, definitely with some uh, with with some like uh, with some songs or with some stuff like that. Like obviously, because 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 I definitely enjoy my music, but not 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 that often. I don't think I'm a I don't think I'm a teary person. I think I'm someone who who you know. I need to open the tear duct, maybe. <laughs> and and like it, 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 having a son, right, and, and and becoming a dad, and like just all that comes with that. Like I can only imagine that it has to change you, like fun, on a fundamental level, right? Mm. Do you feel like it's made you more emotional? Like because one of the things, right, you hear, and you can tell me because I don't know, I don't, know, I don't have kids, not even like I'm not married, nothing like that. But like they say, like when you have a kid, like it just opens up this capacity for love that you, you never knew was even inside you. Yeah. And with, like, first of all, has that been your experience? And second of all, has that opened up like more of an emotional life within yourself? Yeah, I think it has. And I think the, I think if anything, like the biggest capacity for, I'd say a, a lot of people who become parents is the capacity to have empathy and show empathy. I mean, you love your children more than anything in the world. But I think what happens when when they come a part of your picture is that obviously you reprioritize but what you start to see in yourself particularly and it's what i love so much about being a dad is that you try and consider other people's situations more so because you're trying to you're you're responsible for this human mm. and you've got to give them so much so much time so much love so much reality and perspective and hopefully they 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 grow up in a way that's you know that that you would see as like as as great and that that they're able to kind of go out into the big bad world and look after themselves so i think for me it's it's been the the, the capacity for empathy like i used to be very quick off the mark with with judgment sometimes and i used to be very um kind of not not point the finger i don't i don't think i would have been opinionated i'm 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 the kind of person that's open to 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 listening to people as much as I can. Mm. Um, sometimes when I'm so exhausted, I think I just fall asleep. <laughs> Obviously, being sleep deprived—that's it. That's definitely one thing. My capacity to sleep has been fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's here. Give me an hour, and I'll definitely go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, definitely c- capacity for empathy, capacity for consideration, and just being able to kind of, um, you 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 become far more parental with everybody else mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like look if i can do anything for you just tell me you know what i mean i really really don't mind to the point where you know everything else kind of gets pushed down the pile mm-hmm. you know and uh and my my wife has been like like she was she's always been amazing at doing that but like since she's become a mother it's just been like 
they're they're like like that bond is beautiful to watch. It's so cool, you know what I mean. Mm. Um, and it's great as well because I th- I think in the initial few months of your child being born, for the dad particularly, it can be it it's it's like a kind of a slower process of bonding. Mm. But when you finally start to ki- when that kicks into gear and when that bonding happens with your son or your daughter, it's wonderful, you mm. know. Mm. And you feel like you can actually you know, t- uh, uh, take them off the other parents' hands and you ge- you genuinely feel, uh, you know, like you're able to contribute and, and, and do stuff that's, uh, that, that's good for the, for, for the whole picture. You know what I mean? There's two of you in it together. It can be hard at times. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's it. That's definitely what I felt becoming a parent. So yeah. And, and like it, kicking off that, in what ways does it like, cause obviously you were married before Leo came along yeah. like to Laura. So like, and, and so in what ways, cause I can only imagine like it, 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 by the virtue of just how big a change it is that it, it has to change every part of your life, like career, lifestyle, gym, coffee, all of it. Yeah, like it all yeah. becomes around that. And like in terms of like the marriage and that like romantic relationship and, and just that partnership, how does it, have you noticed like changes in, in that b- because of like Leo and just the adjustments that inevitably need to be made? Um, yeah, I mean, like the, the I, I suppose the, the, the one change that I've noticed is that like work, work is still something that I'm really passionate about, but it's not the center of my universe. It would have been one of, one of the things that I was like, this is, this is important and I'm passionate about it and I want to be driven and I want to be able to go out and do the best that I can do obviously there's been points where i've been in the pit so much that you know that that didn't even factor into it but what 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 changes is for me is that my my family are the are the center of my world mm. and if anything it's definitely taught me to take a step back for them because you know it's 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 good for you and it's good for them it's good it's it's good for the picture i think it's something like when you're building a family and if you know if you've got more time spent with them than you would have you know getting like getting as many gigs in in a week because you might get a few calls and you might be able to go and you know sing at a gig here and there and you know you're you're constantly waiting on the next paycheck that I suppose that mentality just goes out the window slightly because it's like look I really really don't care if I was poor it's it's actually cool because there's been some sense of you know um there's in some sense of just being able to let off some steam when you spend time with your kids, mm. you know? Mm. I, do, I don't find that tiring. I find that like, you know, going for a walk in Malahide Castle and having that headspace for a few hours just to make them, you know, the 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 the, the center of attention and the priority. There's something marvelous about that. Mm. So it's definitely given a sense of ease and a sense of calm, you know? Um. And like the the only hectic parts, I suppose, are like waking up in the middle of the night for the feeds, trying to establish your routine of getting into a proper sleep pattern. Like that's a real tricky one to to uh, to knuckle down on. You know what I mean? So I th- I like I think what what you what you start to realize is work is not as important, and uh, you're you're kind of going through this like this this path of self discovery you know what i mean yeah. you didn't realize that you could do so much in a day until mm. until you have them you know what i mean right. as well as you know as well as everything else that you're doing as a as an actor or singer or whatever you know and so then in terms of like for people who don't know you would have been i know you've like always worked between ireland and the uk but i suppose you know getting the the 
the commitments gig obviously like had you over there mm. um, like full time for the three years yeah, and then yeah. obviously other gigs like the Dr. Faustus in the West End and all these things so like that was very much your base for like the longest time and then mm. obviously what what was the catalyst for moving home and like and and how permanent or otherwise does that move feel for you? Um, I I, I I think it's it's definitely something that we want. We would we would love to root ourselves in Ireland. I mean, we love London. I think if the if the right opportunities were to come back up in London for the two of us, we'd we'd go. Um, and it's a great city. It's mm. buzzing. It's mm. a massive industry over there. You meet incredible people. You're you you open up doors, and it's one of those places that it it just has it has that sense of kind of that that grit that hard kind of you know um you know you're you're working your arse off trying to get noticed trying to get in with the right circles of people trying to you know uh trying to make it trying to break into the industry over there which is hard and the commitments at the time was a big big deal for so many people making their west end debuts but it did us far more favors than we'll ever kind of take into consideration but i'm i'm sure everyone does i mean mm. there's there's been so many people that's been doing wonderful stuff like that um we'd ideally love our, our our base to be in dublin if the right stuff was to come up in london again we would go definitely um but what made me come back at the time uh, prior to 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 dave passing um i was fortunate enough to get a gig at the gate here right. and it was great it was uh assassin's stephen sondheim musical um and got to work with selena cartmill and uh that was something that i i was planning to come back for for the couple of months but then it was it was within my intention to go back to london and just stick it out there and it was probably going to be inevitably like getting maybe front of housework or working working a tube station doing promo jobs. A lot of the jobs that you don't necessarily want to do, mm-hmm. but they pay the rent. Um, and I and and I was fortunate enough to be in a position where I ended up going from the gate to the abbey and was was working for a good while. And as I said, like that being being I suppose in that circuit and in that bubble, just plucked me out of the reality of this this person was gone and out of the picture and i think when you're part of these bubbles they it it can put you in a position where you're so distracted you're you're so removed Mm. you know a part of me was like you know like when this actually properly hits i i I genuinely don't know what i'm going to do you know but i've been tremendously fortunate you know what i mean Mm. as 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 someone who's like I like as someone who's had the opportunity to work over there, and and work here, I, I like you know there's there's been so much kind of movement back and back and forth. At one point, like I was in London while Laura was in Dublin. That that's such a hard thing to manage. Mm. But we done long distance. We we did it while it was on tour. She came over and visited once every two weeks. There, there, there there's nothing that would ever break that. Obviously, because we've been so used to it, and you know, like p- parts of our year had been lived through FaceTime. You know what I mean? Right. So it's just it's just the reality of your situation. But yeah, having a having a base here, rooting ourselves here, and uh, having having a nice little wee job to come back to at the time was pretty cool because it meant I was able to just you know look after the two of us and, and when you say when that hits you don't know what you'll do what what are you what are you referring to there are you referring to yeah i, I, I was just referring to 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 dave dying and yeah. when the actual time was going to come that it was like oh i've actually had a proper amount of time to really really let this sink in and let it register and and let it let us uh you know i i, I think like for that time while, while i was home I'd been thinking about it, but I hadn't. It it just really, really hadn't hit me. Yeah, and it hadn't hit me for so long, you know. 
Um, and but it, but it has plays it now. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it like it was back back in October mm. um, when things started to quieten down. When I was when I was kind of um, when I was doing some bits and bobs of teaching, and when I'd um, you know I had a bit of time to myself, and Laura was gone back into work. She had a job, and I was I was looking after uh, Leo, and um, I had loads of days with him uh, over November, December, and that was glorious. But it was like, it's so weird how your body and how your mind works sometimes because mm. you take this time that's supposed to be like recuperate and rest up. And that was the time when I was just like, fucking hell, I miss him so much. And that was the the hard kind of like, you know, that was the, the regular crying and that was the yeah. kind of, oh man, I just want to go to the pub and get smashed. <laughs> yeah, and like, is that what it looks like? Is it like just waking up and just needing to cry for the day? And, yeah, and, yeah. And going, like, yeah. what, what like, yeah. I, I don't want to invade, but I, no, I, I've never gone through something on that level and I'm just, yeah. so that's what it is. It's just like, just yeah. waking up and it's like, this needs to come out, like these these tears and... Absolutely, yeah, yeah, just everything. Like, I remember, I, I, I remember there was one day where I was walking through Malahide Castle and that was a day when I just started to bawl my eyes out crying while Leo was asleep in the pram. Mm. And I, I remember I picked up the phone and I contacted a really close friend of mine. Um, He's a writer and he, he'd been in a different country at the time. And I just told him, I I feel terrible. I feel terrible. I feel really, really bad. I just don't feel like anything is making sense at the moment. Um, it's hard. And he he was the first person that I'd actually properly opened up to about it. Mm. Um and you know, he's 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 the kind of guy that that is very easy to talk to and very um very easygoing. And I suppose like there was a part of him that just said, you know, you're you're gonna go through a, a whole mix of stuff. It may be hard to kind of articulate what you're feeling sometimes, but the fact that you've even made it to this point where you're talking about it mm. is good. Like and you know, I'd always explored the idea of possibly going to like, you know, uh you know, medical professional, like going back to counselling. I did that a few years ago mm. and um, you know, and, and doing stuff like that and I considered hypnotherapy and and then, you know, with the whole Britain's Got Talent thing, that just kind of cropped up as the most kind of unusual way of going and just, you know, I suppose just giving, giving myself a little bit of a boost and a motivation and something else that was going to turn over a new leaf, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that is what it feels like. You know, you, you wake up and some days you feel great, some days you feel miserable. Some some days you want to, you know, you, you just want to, <laughs> uh, you know, you want to crack open a couple of bottles in the middle of the day and just kind of drown in your sorrows mm -hmm. or you don't want to do anything, you know, it's hard. Like, you you know, you can go through a whole array of stuff. And in terms of, like, obviously, I um, would know your brother, Sean, mm. uh, a little bit. And then, like, you know, I was lucky enough to meet your mom and obviously I know you're saying that she's not well. But in terms of the rest of the family and, and you know... Um, and just in the aftermath of that, what's what have you found the effect of that has been on on, on you guys? I think the effect has just been like it, it, it's it's that kind of sitting back and scratching our heads and saying, "Why has this happened? Mm. Why has he? Why is he gone so early?" And you know, the effect that it's had is just like it's we're we're kind of you know at the time we were pulling our hair out with frustration because this was someone that we kind of felt like had about another 30 years in in him mm -hmm. and then and then this happens um and uh and and my sister-in-law uh caroline has been like so strong and and resilient to 
an awful lot of the the kind of like the hard uh emotional stuff which i'm 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 fr- fairly sure she's going through and and she's just been great you know um i mean it's toughest on her because they because they they live together and were married for uh so since 2000 so like 19 years yeah. and that's and that's going to be the, the 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 kind of like you know that th- that's that's the hardest bit for us but um but you know i, I mean if if anything with these situations i suppose uh we 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 we've been coming together much more mm-hmm. and we're trying to kind of you know just 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 ride it out in whatever way we're going to do it as individuals mm-hmm. but um but we have been talking about it you know we've been we've been as open as we can be and i think just trying to kind of put it in in a in a, a kind of like a you know a very honest fashion for my mom so that if it was a case of maybe she maybe she wakes up one day and she kind of forgets that it's actually happened mm. it's something that it's just it's, it's kind of important to drop in to to the picture and just remind her but at the same time you know it's it's not like it's it, w- it would never be in a way of you know oh we have to tell her again it's like if we have to tell her we have to tell her that's okay she just needs to know these things yeah because if she didn't you know it's it's like don't 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 disrespect someone by doing that. You know what I mean? Totally. So, yeah, 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 big so. time. Right, let's give it a spin. Go on. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> it's got stage fright. <laughs> Damn wheel. Jesus. <laughs> okay, what do we do here? I think I'm on the uh, winning streak. Fucking here. hell. <laughs> oh my God, here we go. We, we need this bingo machine to practice some of that fucking mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Get, get it together, really. Come on. Five and four, number 54. Do you have it? Uh, I don't. No. It's on a 54. Worries. Um, I'll check the back of the shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who is someone in your industry that you would love to work with that you haven't had a chance to yet? Oh, that's a really cool question. Um, So, I mean, can I pick two? Yeah, because I mean, it's tricky as well <laughs> for you because you, like, you do a few different things between like the... <laughs> The music and the songwriting, and then the the musical theater element, as well as the like the more straight acting element of it. You know, yeah, who yeah, would yeah. who would the two be? Oh my god! You don't know. <laughs> You're like just need more than one. Uh, you know what? It's it's really really cool. Like obviously, when I was in London, I got to see some incredible shows, and I got to see some. Um, I mean, can I talk about people that I've w- that that I have worked with? Sure. Yeah. There's one guy um, who I did Doctor Faustus with, and I've just I've I was electrified by this man. He is an incredible actor. Mm. And he's someone who is so, uh, like, he's just, he's just busting with information. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's just out of this world. And in a way, it's like, it's one of these people that, that you're, you're just, you're genuinely changed by when you're on stage with them. His name is Tom Eden. Mm. He is glorious. I would give anything to, to, to do and another project with him again and the guy's done everything the guy has done like a, a vast array of like musical theaters and straight play he was mm. straight plays he was in um uh he he was in Les Mises, uh Ternardier for a year um oh, he he did um the rise of Arturo Wee at the Donmar uh, uh warehouse wow. um with Lenny Henry um, he's done. What else has he done? God, he did. He did the uh, Cameron Macintosh's touring production of Oliver. He was uh, Mister Sowerbury in that. Mm. I'm fairly sure I saw him in the Board Gosh as well, and I didn't even realize it. And he was out of this fucking world. He was so good. Um, what else has he done? He is in our town at Regent's Park. Um, so yeah, he's he's definitely one person I'd 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 love to work with again. Um, and if there was somebody else that I haven't worked with that I'd like to work with, um. 
Is it uh, Richard Madden, who's Rob Stark, and he's in The Bodyguard? Yeah. Man, he's good. So good. Like, fuck off, pal. <laughs> he's so good. He's so good. He's so handsome. He's yeah, so good in interviews. He's everything. Yeah. So I'm looking at you going, you're gorgeous, man. <laughs> so yeah. good. And like, yeah, yeah. And uh, when we were doing Dr. Faust's uh, uh, kit had popped around to see him and Romeo and Juliet, and he was just like, fucking hell, he's good. <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 yeah. He just, he's he's just, um, he's he's just got the, he, he just has the gift of the gab for 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 theater and for television and and he's so bloody young you know what i mean yeah he's great he's he's his his career is going to be amazing so yeah that side of the pond yeah definitely and then here um oh man i mean i wouldn't mind doing something with you i was just thinking That'd it's, it's kind of mad that we haven't done it's something nuts. together yet yeah yeah, yeah yeah i mean since Fiddler on the Roof well, all those right, years ago. Yeah, yeah that's And you were always, and this is important to say as well, because you were always particularly, like, nice to me. Really, like, really How no... How would you not be nice to you? Well, like, no, come on, man. aside, but, like, I, you were just <laughs> always very, like, very encouraging. And even, you know, like, about a year ago or 18 months ago, maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. not even, I don't know. But, um, and I was like, hey, I'm looking at, you know, London agents, would you be free for a coffee? And like that, just so easy, like, just, I don't know, you just always made yourself so approachable, which is so nice, because, ah, like, you know, you look well, up to, like, the things you've done, I really well, admire it's, it's, it. Well, it's know? one of those things of, like, any anything to make it kind of easier, um, because I always remember David Shannon showed the same kind of kindness to me a few years ago, right? And he was the man that that, that put me in for my 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 first like two or three initial London auditions when I didn't have an agency, um, when I had no representation, and the guy was my means of contact on the phone, and he was the one that got me in the door to audition for Les Mis and Phantom, and nearly had me in for Miss Saigon and all these shows, and he was just so fucking generous, mm. and you know you always sit back and you always go, I mean you you. Like like we barely knew each other, and we've kind of gotten to know each other through like following each other on Facebook. Um, he's he's a musical theater actor singer that I'd love to that I'd love to work with. Yeah. Um, Nick Dunning is someone that I'd really really love to do something with. Amazing. Oh wow! Like he's he's absolutely super. He'd actually be a great guest for the podcast as well. Oh, he'd be yeah. Oh you know? yeah, yeah yeah definitely. And I think it's I think it's good as well with people like Nick because there is there is a tremendous amount of generosity in that man that make people's uh, uh, people's view of the acting world far more informed. He's got a good way of being able to give you some kind of a toolkit and some... Because for an awful lot of people, it can be a bit of a guessing game. Mm-hmm. And anything that he's been able to kind of put out there has been like what... Like not like everything you're doing is wrong, but it's more to do with like okay, let's look at it from the perspective of a casting director, the kind of roles that you go in for, all of this stuff, mm. and for him to put that time aside and actually give these ways of thinking about it to people, especially young actors, like, and then you watch him on stage. Like I saw him as uh, fucking was it Polonius in in Hamlet at the gate, right? Jesus, like he's just great. Yeah. He's so good, so good, and such a hard worker, and um. A uh, good friend of mine worked with him before. Lovely man, uh, uh, also highly influential. I I would love to get up on stage again with Bosco Hogan. I just think he's a he's a marvelous man. Yeah, and he's been doing it for years. And he's you know he's he's at the very heartbeat of Irish theatre. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. yeah. So they would be. They they'd be all all my people. Most importantly, you. Well, uh, yeah, okay. Well, that's out. It's out on. It's on record now. So and come here. Like, what was that like? You know, because. Coming from, I'm always interested in that, like people, 
Because I, I remember, right, when I was um, coming out of school and, like, looking at, like, okay, what am I going to do? And one of the things I was thinking of, because certainly yeah. then I would have been really focused on musical theatre and really, like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Whereas now, not that it's not what I want to do, but, I, I like, there are loads of things that I want to do, like, you know. So one of the things I remember being told at this time and, you know, was, like, well, if you go and do musical theatre, that's absolutely fine, but that can label you as, like, musical theatre and sometimes people mm. will be, you know, will label you as that and they'll be like, okay, well, that means he's not in films, he's not in TV, and he's not on, you know, in plays. Obviously, that has not been the case for your career at all, really, because you've done all those things. Um, what, what was it like, though, that transition then from working in London to working in Dublin? And, like, did you ever have that moment of, like, obviously, as you said at the start, doing a, playing the lead role, West End show, like, you know, being in the original cast, all these things, like, mad mm-hmm. stuff with the commitments, um, and then doing all this unbelievable stuff. Did it ever feel to you like, and um, I don't know, like, like, did it ever feel like, you know, you're in the West End and then you're like, oh, well, this is where I stay now. I don't go anywhere else. Like, did you ever feel like, well, I'm coming back to work in Ireland now and like, you know, my West End theatre has whatever, like, you know, like a thousand seats, whereas, you know, like the, the, the gate, it's great, but it's like, you know, it's like a 400 seater. Was there ever that, was there ever like um a category like an inferiority thing with Ireland and the UK or has always been just like the work is the work and if it's good work I'm happy to do it. Uh, yeah, like 100%. I think like the 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 kind of opportunities and the type of projects and 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 the different jobs that you that you take or that you accept to do. Like I I I remember like when I was when I was deciding on Assassins at the Gate Theatre, I was like, "Oh god, this is going to be fantastic because because it is a reputable theatre and because it's been around for, for, for years and because it's one of those places that I knew loads of other people that have been in there before mm. and the likes of people that have been treading the boards in there like Kate Gilmore and Avi McCann and all these people. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this is going to be deadly. I get to I, I get to be a, 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 a part of this. and But there was another thing kind of pulling me away from it because um, I... I was I was having a chat with my agent. He called me when we were talking about assassins, and he just said, "Look, um, an offer's come through for much ado about nothing at the Rose Theatre in Kingston." And I was like, "You got to be fucking joking!" Like, and and they're always like, people are like, "Oh, but it's the, it's the best to be in situations like that." It is, but when you make a decision, you know, you feel like you're you're chopping off one leg to. I, d- I don't know to like you know to to, to get another leg <laughs> sorry that's a terrible analogy it's so shit I'm terrible at analogies <laughs> but do you know what I mean it's like it's one of those things that you you just feel like you're asking yourself the question have I made the right decision mm-hmm. and I've always been one of these people who has kind of like like particularly since the commitment's finished I've always said to myself like I uh, you know I I don't ever want it to be a case of I've done two years in the West End and that's all I'm going to do. Mm. I get that the West End is something that is that that, that will that will set a, a, a high standard for people and I think it should because mm-hmm. it's a wonderful wonderful place. It's really really good, London. As a, as I've said, like it it can only do a person's career really really good. Mm. But I think what what has to be at like there's a list of reasons that I take specific. Uh, uh, projects or, or shows or plays or musicals or whatever the case is like you know the, the roles that I want to play they are shows that I want to get under my belt and they're experiences that I want to be a part of mm. you know and one of the ones that I that, that I knew was going to be a, a wonderful thing to be a part of was once at the Olympia that was something that I you know when that came by I was like oh my god like you know these these like the these show trains 
are only going to last up to a specific point and may, this could be this could be like you know the 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 third summer season which it was and maybe it's never going to be on again and i wanted to take that it's a, it's a it's a role that i want to do it's a musical that i want to be a part of and you make these decisions based on based on the show and 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 based on how you know how how enjoyable the role is how substantial it's going to be for you as a, as a creative artist and also as a singer and an actor and someone that you, you know you, you need to be in a position to tell yourself i can bring something to this mm-hmm. and that's what drives you towards that decision um, and I think that's regardless of whether it's West End or the Gate or the Abbey, because you know every t- it's it's about the creatives and the people behind you, putting putting you into this picture and directing you and bringing you through the process. I think that's such a massive thing, you know. I mean, when you when you look at like Selena Cartmel or Jamie Lloyd, and you say, okay, they are two amazing directors. I definitely want to work with them, mm. and I want to put myself in a picture and get something out of it mm. and see what I can bring to them just as much as what they can give me. You know, it's, we're all, we're, we all love each other at the end of the day. We're all blown smoky to <laughs> each other's arses. No, I'm kidding. But it's, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's good that way. And I think that's what makes you decide. But, but it's interesting you say that because when, when the commitment's finished, a part of me was like, I'd love to get another West End show because it's a guarantee of a year of work or right. six months. Right. You know, it's it's like the whole above equity contract and, you know, you get your, you know, you get your days off and you get, you know, uh, you know, you, you, you get your, you, you get your one or two days off during the week, depending on what kind of role you're playing. Like mm-hmm. that was the joy of playing Deco. Like I, I do six of the eight shows during the week and then an alternate would do the other two and I'd have a couple of days off for vocal recovery and then I go back in. And once that kind of habit settled that was brilliant because it just meant that you know everything set sails in such a in such a great way mm. so um so yeah like like r- regardless of where you are like or or whatever theaters you're in whether it's west end or whether it's dublin or whether it's you know abroad uh you know you 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 do it for the for for the uh for the drive of you wanting to be a part of that yeah particular thing you yeah know, 100% cool. no it, yeah you, you kind of can't remind yourself of that enough no you know no absolutely I mean? it's absolutely. good all right we've got time for one more sweet well, great all right here we go really hope it falls on you god yeah. <laughs> i want to ask you a question <laughs> um it's number 49 do you have it i do not oh god no worries <laughs> number 49 the question is uh is there one piece of advice you've received that you find yourself coming back to again and again Oh, uh, there's always been snippets of uh, of advice from people. Yeah, go for it. Um, and I think like one of one of the best kind of one of the most profound things my dad said was the sun is the sun will always rise in the morning. Mm. And I, and I was like, okay, <laughs> the time when he said it to me because I I was just you know possibly had my head up my arse and didn't really take into account what he was actually saying. And the older I've gotten, the more I've realised, oh, Jesus, you're right. Christ, you know? Like, every single year on, on on top of your age, you just, you find that these things really, really apply to to your, uh, to your state of mind. He's right, you know? Mm. Um, there's so much kind of expectation and pressure on us in, in, a, in a business or in an industry that can be very amazing, but can be very fickle. Mm. And you don't know what, will happen through throughout a lot of your career 
you know, a lot of the decisions you make, you genuinely didn't think you would ever make mm -hmm. or you'd ever be in a position to make. Um, but I suppose the reason that he said it to me was just because, you know, there's there's always a sun in the sky. There is always, you know, the, I suppose the light always shines through. And he was a man that genuinely believed that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He was He was someone who just kind of always tried to set things right with the reality of you know of of people's situations um but yeah that, that that's the bit of advice that i always kind of go back to it's just when i think about that there's some kind of comfort in that and i still can't really nail down what it is maybe it's just because he was my dad and i thought and i thought he was great regardless you mm. know what i mean mm. but that's always been the best like to me that's the best advice anyone's ever given yeah and what's so good about it is like i mean that that advice as you said like first of all you know it seems to be becoming more and more true to you and it's a piece mm. of advice that like it's nearly like the lesson of it like landed after he was gone which is amazing you know it was like a little like a like a like a like a, a, a like a little present that was like wrapped <laughs> up for all these years yeah, and yeah. then you you found it like 10 years later and you're yeah, like yeah. gee like it's kind of gorgeous the way that that piece of advice can j just grow yeah. with you and and i've i've probably sold it very cheesy Sun, the sun will always <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, it's is that kind of thing. Like, people listening to this, they're probably like, "What a what a cheesy son of no, a." No, but man, like, the, but yeah. the, the simple things. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and they're yeah. they're so simple. But even when you said it there, like, I, like, mm. like as you said, duh. Yeah, sure, you can look at it that way. But in the same way, you can look at like that sob story and be like, "Oh, it's a sob story." Like, it's not. That's what fucking is happening in your life right now. Yeah, well, well, well and it just is going to inform. Yeah, what's going on? Yeah, and I th and I think coming from a man like him, like my 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 dad was a. a a kind of a, a, a you know a, a very easygoing man who didn't ask that much he you know he left school when he was 14 and went and did an apprenticeship as a compositor and a compositor at the time is like a printing technician like the old industrial printing equipment right. and he worked for the Irish Times briefly but then he went to the Irish Independent so you can imagine like oh yeah, yeah. sneaky man yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know he, he he came from a massive family um two sisters five brothers um you know really really working class um his our, our our granny gilligan god bless her she was um incorrectly institutionalized um misdiagnosed for the parents schizophrenia and it wasn't um and she had to spend a lot of her life in in care in a home so my dad was kind of without a motherly presence and uh you know granddad gilligan was there kind of fending for the rest of the family wow. I suppose the only motherly figures that he really had were his sisters, um, and wonderful women. Uh, uh, Auntie Pat isn't with us, God rest her. But uh, Maura is here, and she's wonderful. She's ninety three. Wow! Like that woman is oh, she is the bedrock of that family. Yeah, and she's great as well. Like like she's just she's just wonderful. Um, but I think you know, considering where he came from, how he lived his life, you know, uh, you know traveled to america when he was quite young in his in his early 20s kind of went out and saw the big bad world saw mm -hmm. canada saw a lot of parts of europe and uh you know was was always a hard grafter and a hard worker um he, he became he rose kind of like through the ranks and became one of the one of the top dogs in the irish independent and mm. very very loved very respected man loved his ga loved his music massive rap pack fan i think one of the things he would have loved to 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 do was uh, fly to Vegas and uh, get in and see Sinatra at some point. Sadly, that never happened. But well. sure, but um, regardless, he was 
he was always a man who just loved the simple things in life. Loved his bottle of Jack Daniels or red wine. Mm. Uh, loved going for a pint with him because it was just nice quiet time. It was literally just sit back and <laughs> he'd be like, just enjoy the chair, you know? Yeah. Just enjoy the, the room. And the fact that we're we're able to chill and, you know, have a brewski and, and all is right. That kind of a presence. Yeah. I was just like, Jesus. Um, and it's mad as well because I haven't really talked about him properly in, in, in such a long time. So it's been nice. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And back to the advice, that's that's probably where he gets it from. He's just like, everything will be okay. So yeah, man. It's gorgeous. Stop. <laughs> it's kind of a perfect way to end. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for coming in and doing this, man. I really Mate, appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, for sure. Come here. Like I know, obviously, there's so much brilliant stuff happening, as well as all the difficult stuff. So I wonder if you want to tell us any like of the socials, any bits like that. Obviously, Britain's Got Talent is a big thing that's just kind of in the off now. So yeah, yeah. Um, where can we see and all the good stuff? So uh, I'm I'm going to be gigging on the 16th of June at Bloomsday in town. Um, I'm working with an incredible musician, a really good friend of mine, Brian Mullen. Mm. And um, he's devising a uh, James Joyce Bloomsday show where we're going to be doing songs that kind of appertain to Ulysses and, um, you know, pay homage to like Monto and um, a lot of the, 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 the those kind of parts of Dublin, you know, the old kind of Georgian era of Dublin. Mm. Um, but but a lot of it is very kind of Joycey and, and, and Ulysses orientated and there's like there, there's a lot of these kind of like story trails and everybody dresses up for the day and it's like a proper kind of like costume to the max great um but i think we're performing at wolftown square we're also going to be up at the hugh lane gallery we're doing five shows that day oh, of like 45 minutes each so <laughs> if you fancy uh uh, watching me sing a few songs and dapper myself up um, yeah please do come down it's going to be really good fun and I'm fairly sure we're going to be in a late night venue uh, that night I'm not sure where but um, I, I've got a Facebook music page it's Brian Gilligan Music and I'll put updates there if you want to follow check it out and uh, yeah there you go brilliant man Brian Gilligan thanks so much for playing Personality Bingo Tom thanks so much man cheers nice one So guys, that was the phenomenal Brian Gilligan playing Personality Bingo. Brian, if you are listening, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I know you're flat out at the moment between all the brilliant things that are going on for you and I really appreciate you sitting down with me and what a chat it was. Um, just really gorgeous stuff. Uh, as I said, I am currently trekking through Vietnam trying not to die, but uh, hopefully it's fine and uh, we're all having a great time. Uh, I hope wherever you are in the world, it's fine too. Maybe I'll come back with some new Vietnamese listeners. Who the fuck? knows um, and then once I'm back you can come and check me out on stage in Copperface Jackson Musical I'm so buzzing to be back with the lads as I said just a dream show with some dreamy people and um, yeah what an honour it is to uh, go out on the Olympia stage uh, so many of my heroes have performed there including Brian and once the musical as I said where he smashed it uh, the summer before us so um, it's really really lovely um, to be in there for this year um, and I can't wait to get back so go and check that out it's a guaranteed good night and hey if you're feeling nasty you get free in the coppers after so um there's always that. Um, as always, a massive thank you to the wonderful Erin Lindsay for mixing, editing, and producing this podcast to the phenomenal Leah Moore and Anthony Manley for their gorgeous theme music, and as always, to Connor Nolan for his beautiful artwork, and most importantly, to Alan Bennett and Paddy O'Leary for having us aboard the Headstuff Podcast Network and keeping the lights on here at Headstuff HQ. There are tons of other brilliant podcasts, and I really do mean it when I say go and check them out. If you like this podcast, you will probably like some others on the network. I'm really proud to be a part of the gang here, and then um, go and support them. So, guys, that's all for me. Please tune in next week for another episode of Personality Bingo with Tom Moran.